Hi, I'm Vinod Vadwani and this is Life Acumen at Work. I'm an executive coach and in this podcast series I discuss on topics having to do with leadership, work life and transitions. Candor is not just about telling the truth. It requires openness, sincerity and some degree of vulnerability. Lack of candor is not just remaining silent. It's deceit by omission, which means that an element of honesty and truth is intentionally ignored. The late Jack Welch, CEO of General Electric from 1981 to 2001, was a huge supporter of candor in the workplace. He had said that unfortunately in every culture, in every country, in every society and social class, there is this lack of candor which he used to call the biggest dirty little secret in business in a bureaucracy it tends to get more and more subjected uh, to pressures from the side from the top from underneath people are afraid to speak out and when it does it slows you down it uh, really puts gum in the wheat in the gears and it really doesn't improve the workplace it's sort of frightening that people are sitting in an organization and don't feel that people are laying it on straight why candor in workplace so important why is it so hard how do you change that when we say there is lack of candor in organizations what does it mean lack of candor in organizations means a culture of not speaking up a culture of silence It is about too many people too often intuitively not expressing themselves with frankness not communicating sincerely with each other it is about people withholding comments or criticism and not speaking up to avoid conflict it's about sugarcoating bad news to maintain a facade keeping things to ourselves and shying away from getting into or stimulating a real debate but why is candor so important in the workplace look Lack of candor in organizations can have some serious consequences. You may recall that in the build up to Enron scandal, many in that organization did not speak up and chose to remain silent until it was too late. Basically, Enron was was ignoring the bad news. Now, our core values were respect, integrity, communication, and excellence. And we had banners hanging from, you know, the the lobbies you had magnets desk toys you know little things in every conference room to talk about our core values and the the quote the Martin Luther King Jr quote was underneath every communication comment our lives begin to end the day we remain silent about things that really matter um how many people stayed silent in Enron but this quote is actually really really tragic and it's tragic because what does it really mean something's very important and you've rationalized staying quiet you've rationalized that you're safer or better off being quiet well a piece of your soul starts to erode and when you're at the end of your life and it feels like your life's been somewhat purposeless and meaningless you realize it goes back to that decision where you decided to stay silent that was Sharon Watkins the whistleblower and the former vice president of Enron Whistleblowing is an example of a very late stage candor 
that is when the damage is already done. Why do people generally not speak up in organizations? Well, let's first understand what does speaking up in the workplace actually mean? There have been number of research studies which are seeking to define the structure of speaking up in the workplace. Speaking up in the workplace is an expression of bold but constructive opinions, concerns or ideas by employees on work-related issues. By drawing attention to problems and opportunities in work practices, speaking up can facilitate continuous process improvement, help prevent mistakes, enhance readiness for responding to difficult situations and improve organizational performance. But then why there is fear of speaking up in the workplace? Well, the common perception is that although speaking up can deliver potential benefits to the organization, it can be personally risky for employees engaging in it. More often than not, speaking up involves challenging the status quo and bringing to light practices that are not functioning well at the workplace. Hence, it can elicit negative reactions such as ridicule or even sanctions from managers who often feel threatened by it. Therefore, speaking up presents a dilemma for the employees. They can speak up and help positively change their organization or they can remain silent and avoid the risk of adverse personal consequences associated with it. So how can organizations encourage candor in employees? I think it has to begin with creating an environment of psychological safety within the organization. Leaders need to create a culture where people are able to bring their true self to work without fear of negative consequences or self-image. It can be defined as a shared belief that the team is safe for interpersonal risk-taking. In psychologically safe teams, team members feel accepted and respected. So is it some kind of a shared belief held by members of a team that the team will not embarrass, reject, or punish you for speaking up? Exactly. When you have psychological safety in the workplace, people feel comfortable being themselves. They bring their full selves to work and do not fear voicing their thoughts even if these thoughts are not fully formed. They feel comfortable asking questions and brainstorm out loud in order to create a culture of candor that truly innovates. Is there some structure which organizations can follow to start creating an environment of psychological safety? Yes, very much. Dr. Timothy Clark in his book The Four Stages of Psychological Safety: Defining the Path to Inclusion and Innovation suggests that employees have to progress through the four stages of psychological safety before they feel free to make valuable contributions and challenge the status quo. The first stage is inclusion safety, which satisfies the basic human need to connect and belong. It is about feeling safe to be yourself and being accepted for who you are, including your unique attributes and traits. The second stage is learner safety, which satisfies the need to learn and grow. In this stage, you feel safe to exchange in the learning process by asking questions, giving and receiving feedback. experimenting and making mistakes the third stage is contributor safety which satisfies the need to make a difference it is about feeling safe to use your skills and abilities to make a meaningful contribution and the fourth stage is challenger safety which satisfies the need to make things better in this stage you feel safe to speak up and challenge the status quo when you think there's an opportunity to change or improve 
So let's say an organization creates an environment where employees feel psychologically safe. But don't you think this can also make people too comfortable with each other, where everyone is questioning each other, there is lack of accountability and competitive tension, which is actually needed to foster growth. Well, psychological safety does not mean being in a comfort zone or not being accountable. It also does not mean that under the garb of psychological safety, one can become uncivil in the workplace and resort to aggression and uh, personal criticism. Psychological safety in the workplace is a progressive concept. But unfortunately, in our excitement about the benefits of feeling safe at work and being able to take risks, many of us can stretch it too far and actually create counterproductive environments. How can organizations ensure that psychological safety is productive? That's a great question. To promote a culture of positive candor and productive psychological safety, organizations and their leaders have to identify the set of candid behaviors based on organizational values which they want employees to demonstrate, and then praise and reward these behaviors. Leaders should talk about these behaviors in town halls and make public stars out of employees who demonstrate them. Most of all, leaders should lead by example and themselves demonstrate these behaviors in an enthusiastic, energetic and high-spirited manner. Can employees also help in creating a culture of positive candor? Absolutely. While leaders play a role in shaping their team's culture, it's up to each team member to contribute and build a psychologically safe culture of positive candor. Each of us has a role to play in how we do things in workplace, both on our team and in our organization. So what steps can team members take to promote productive dialogue and debate the foundations of positive candor? Well, to promote productive dialogue and debate, employees can cultivate skills for asking powerful, open-ended questions and how to be active listeners. They can cultivate the vulnerability muscle and don't shy away from asking for help. And also, freely give help when asked. Most importantly, positive interactions and conversations between individuals are built on trust. Give your team members the benefit of the doubt when they take a risk, ask for help, or admit a mistake. In turn, trust that they will do the same for you. Help them embrace diversity of thought and recognize that expertise does not lie with one individual, but with the entire group. With improved conversational skills, you can build a culture that's more robust, dynamic, and psychologically safe. But won't embracing diversity of thought create some amount of cognitive friction within the team? Well, cognitive friction is about taking nuanced perspectives from people who think differently and engaging in a constructive dialogue and debate. That's when there's discomfort because you're getting outside of your own way of thinking. But that discomfort leads to growth. It's like building your stamina to run a marathon, accepting the pain and discomfort while you're training for it, and pushing yourself further than you've gone before if you want to get better. Vinod Khosla, the billionaire Indian-American businessman and venture capitalist and co-founder of Sun Microsystems, who's known for his blunt and brutal honesty, was asked this question in an interview. 
what are the trade-offs in pursuing brutal honesty versus hypocritical politeness? Here's what he said. Well, there's lots of trade-offs, but um, I'm, I'm again very clear. You know, it started off earlier in my life. I was very successful. Even before I started Sun, I started a company like Daisy. And I said, the one thing I'll do is not do what others want me to do or be polite, which generally means dishonest. Uh, there's a great book by Sam Harris, who's a professor over on the other side about lying. I recommend everybody read Sam Harris's book on lying and why we all lie too much and too often. Uh, we put this sort of slogan, I prefer brutal honesty to hypocritical politeness on our website because it's a real disservice to people. Uh, you don't have to be offensive to be honest. You can be constructive and very honest. And I prefer that brutal honesty because it serves a purpose. The receiver can do something about it if it's a constructive criticism. Listeners, interested to get an insight on can human beings be reliable raters of other human beings? Can listen to episode number 17.1. As I wind up this episode, I would like to remind listeners that you can tune into all episodes of Life Acumen at Work on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and iTunes. Thanks for listening to Life Acumen at Work podcast. I'm Vinod Vadwani. Mm-hmm.